tonight as we finish up Romans chapter 14. If you'd turn there, uh, we're going to pick up in verse 13 and we'll finish the 14th chapter. The book of Romans is now in that state of conclusion. Paul is writing these final things uh, as we draw near to the end of this amazing book that we've been journeying in for nearly a year and a half now. As we wrap this up, we come to a subject matter that uh, is huge in our world today, and especially in the world of Christendom, because it seems like every day I hear of some new liberty that the body of Christ somewhere believes that they have uh, that is somehow ordained of God. I'm going to make some people upset tonight, and I'll just tell you that in advance, and I will also at the same time tell you I don't really care. Not because I intentionally want to, you know, rile you, or maybe you're one of those people, but we have been taught in Scripture very clearly how we are to handle our liberties. We are putting dimmers on these. They're coming in this week. So for right now, get a tan, enjoy yourself. Uh, we've installed all kinds of new technology. There's some relay circuitry that has to go in uh, so that you can uh, not get a tan necessarily while you're reading your Bible. Uh, but as, as we think about the things that we can say are liberties, I want to make sure that I set your mind in the proper understanding of that word liberty before we dig in. A liberty is anything in Scripture that is permissible, not directly spoken against by Scripture as sin, but may not necessarily be good or bad. Let me give you an example of a few things. One of them is alcohol. Now, I have already taught on that subject. I want to encourage you to go on the internet go to our YouTube channel and watch that particular study on alcohol all by itself. But Scripture does not outright condemn any and all and every bit of consumption of alcohol. So in that sense, it is a liberty. How about smoking cigarettes? you're not going to find a cigarette verse. There isn't one in there. Thou shalt not smoke Marlboros. <laughs> it's not there. There's no outright condemnation. There are tacit condemnations of everything that does harm to the temple, which is your body, but it nonetheless remains in the category of a liberty. Now I'm really going to make some people upset. How about a quadruple patty cheeseburger with extra bacon? I know. Hang in with me here. There's no cheeseburger non-eating of bonbon boxes of candy after Christmas first either. It's a liberty. You, you see, we have a lot of things that God's given us richly to enjoy, and He now is going to teach us how to utilize that liberty uh, 
in a way that actually honors Him. Because just because you can do something does not mean you should do something. And in fact, Scripture much more clearly speaks to the fact that any and all liberties are to be viewed from should I do it, not thank you, I can do it, as a mentality to start with. And so as we look at this very important passage of Scripture, I pray it will minister to us. going to probably set a few of you on edge a little bit. Some of the rest of you, you're going to be going, man, I wish you'd just taught that a little bit firmer. But I hope we can hit the middle ground. And so would you pray with me? Let's take our time in the word before the Lord. Father, thank you for the power of your word to transform our thinking and to transform our lives. And we pray now as we study, God, that you would speak to us in a very clear way, Lord, about these things which we call liberties. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight's study, how not to build the body. These things are given to us in the negative vein, as the Apostle Paul also does with great frequency. He begins to speak about these things, which we could do because they're not inherently sinful. So as I've said this, make sure that you understand. So nowhere does Scripture say fornication's okay. Nowhere does it say that homosexuality is okay. Those are both listed clearly and categorically as sin. Drunkenness is clearly and categorically listed as sin. So you can never have enough alcohol to where your mind is altered in any way, shape, or form. If you do, you are in sin. So that really limits the amount of alcohol that you can consume, amen? If you think you have the liberty to do so. So we're not talking about issues that are clearly listed as sin. Those, there are a plethora of things that we as the body of Christ are not to do because Scripture clearly tells us they're not for the child of God. Do you need to ask God whether you can tell holy lies or not? Of course not. Lying is one of the last things actually addressed in the Bible. Lying is a sin. Are you supposed to hate your brother No, hating your brother is a sin. Are you supposed to have unforgiveness in your heart? No, unforgiveness is a sin. So there's all kinds of things that you don't need to worry about sticking in this category, but there's a whole bunch of things that you can't find an answer to directly. So here we go on how to address these. Verse 13, Romans chapter 14. And therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this. To not put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. I know and am conv- convinced by the Lord that there is nothing unclean of itself. In other words, he's talking now about specific issues that are not called sin. You know, the things that are not openly condemned. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So there are things that maybe I consider unclean that you don't consider unclean, something that would really be an offense to me that's not an offense to you and vice versa. Do you understand? There are things that are important to you. Look, there there are things I am not tempted. I am not tempted to waste God's money having my nails done every other day. 
The reason I'm saying that, I'm not talking about having your nails done once a week or every two weeks like some of you ladies do, but I know some ladies that want to go have them changed every day and it's 32 bucks a pop. I'm thinking that's really poor stewardship. So to me, that's kind of an issue. To you, you may be thinking, well, it's fashion. Am I helping you understand this a little bit? You see, you could see it from a different perspective, and to you, it's not a sin. To me, I would have a problem with that. It would be wasteful. And this is why this subject is so important. Because we do see things slightly different. We, we have a different place from which we start, a different understanding. Maybe you have never struggled with alcohol. Maybe you have never struggled with drugs. But there's someone who has, and to them, getting anywhere near it. I have friends who refuse to take any pain medication whatsoever. None. They would rather die than put one Tylenol with codeine in their body. Why? Because they've been addicted to drugs before. And so to them, it is a dangerous sin. To me, it might not be so. I just don't struggle with something like that. So to me... It's non-problematic. To them, it's very problematic. Do you see how easy this can come to an issue? It can be huge. You can begin to judge. I can look at the person who, you know, that's out there with their nails and go, what a waste. And you could look at my bacon and go, you're going to die of a coronary. (laughs) See? You got it? Don't judge other people, but keep it square between you and God is the message here. And yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, yikes, you're no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. You starting to get the picture here? Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves in Christ, these things are acceptable to God and approved by men. And therefore, let us pursue pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Start putting some of those liberties that we've just been talking about into the category of does it make for peace with your brother? Does it edify your brother? Does it lift up your sister? Does it put them on a higher plane between them and Jesus? Are they pulled out of the miry clay or are they stuck in it? They start to look a little differently, don't they? They do for me. Things that are not a sin to me do begin to look quite differently when I look at them from the perspective of, will this harm my dear brother or sister? They look very differently. Let me give you one that you can think on. Because there are men and women in this congregation right now. Some of you may not yet be married. How about some of those things that we do to attract the opposite sex? Like, guys, you, you are the uh, vice president of development of a corporation that does not exist.
Just say it. You see, it seems like, well, you know, I'm almost there. I nearly got the job. But it seriously harms the ability of that person whom you were trying to woo in their ability to discern the truth about who you actually are. Hmm. How does God see that? Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. For all things indeed are pure. God originally made absolutely everything good, did he not? The creation in its entirety was declared by God to be very good. Every last bit of it. But it is an evil for the man who eats with offense. A person who struggles with that. It is good to neither eat meat nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is, oops, made weak. Struggles, is offended, or made weak. Scripture says it's good that you should not do those things. So where do you think alcohol fits when you think of it that way? How many people struggle with alcohol? How many children learn the glories of drunkenness from their parents? How many people end up in positions they never thought they'd be in because someone didn't consider who was a believer that it was going to be an offense, it was going to stumble, or it was going to cause someone else to fall? Because it was a liberty. It's not directly a sin. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. For happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. Because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is from sin. Powerful passage speaking into our day and time. I am already getting the phone calls. So can Christians smoke dope? There's no dope passage. God gave us every green herb, bro. Serious as a heart attack. What do you think my answer is? Took away, man. No, not hardly. Where do you think the believer ought to fall with that regard? And I'm asking you a question. Because I'm guessing there's some of you in here who are actually thinking about this right now. Maybe you bought the lie that you know, it's it's fine, it's no worse than alcohol and you know, it's it's organic, man. It's a leafy green vegetable. And yeah, I am mocking a little bit. Because this is how we get in trouble. We start to begin to justify those things which clearly will cause other people to stumble. We'll clearly put people in harm's way. We'll clearly 
be used of the enemy will clearly cause traffic accidents, will clearly ruin people's lives, will clearly waste their money, will clearly have a negative effect on the body of Christ, will clearly stain the name of the Lord. And so we sit around and debate whether, eh, whether a Christian should do that or not. You see, the debate is not whether we should do it, but why should we even consider doing it? We need to be really careful with our exegesis. We need to not read things into Scripture which Scripture does not say. You see, just because something is okay because it's not condemned does not mean it's actually okay with God. You have to refer back to this passage on all those types of things. Why? Because you're not supposed to look out after just yourself. You're supposed to look out after everybody else. We are bound by the law of love, which looks first to others before it looks to our own liberties. I told you I was going to make some people mad, so it's it's okay. I'm all right with it. Because I know what this passage says. You, you see, we're to deal with people based on their weakness. We're to deal with humanity based on the weakest among us. We're always supposed to think of what other people might be encouraged to do. Who are some of those other people? The children that are around us. Watching us as adults do things that maybe you have the liberty because it's not obligatory as a sin that you not do it. You see, that's not where that stops. Where that stops is, does it glorify God? Does it build up the body of Christ? Does it draw us nearer to the Lord? Does it bring people into a closer relationship with God and with other people? Or does it do exactly the opposite? And so from there, we begin to think on these issues. You see, Scripture puts considerable restraints on our liberties. 1 Peter chapter 2 says, Do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. In other words, God actually controls who we are and what we do, and we want to please Him in all things. So I look at things like we have mentioned from the standpoint, does this please God? Not does this please Jeff, because a lot of things please Jeff. I, I would bake and wrap virtually everything. I'd bake and wrap granola. But you know what? You do that in front of a Jewish person, you know what happens? You will not be able to talk about Jesus. So I'm pretty careful. Go to Israel, I kind of almost pretend like I'm kosher. Why? I have the liberty to pull a slab of bacon out of my jacket. But you know what I'm going to do to that Jewish person who might be considering Messiah? I am going to offend them to the core of their being. You see how it works? We have to be careful. Paul said of himself, 
true of all of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. In other words, it's not an issue of, of whether I can do it. It's, does this have the potential to become a master? You have to be, beware of that mastery. Any habit, any practice. And that's why I used a couple of food things. We don't like to talk about that in church. We, we, we want to be selective about the things that we say, you know, is that something we should worry about? Family of God. Let's be careful that we take all things according to what Scripture says and not be selective about how we use the Word of God in its application because this applies to absolutely anything and everything that is not inherently a sin that is permissible for a believer to do. Everything. You see, Paul's supreme purpose here is to do all things. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, all things. He uses the, 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 the Olympic Games. He uses the Isthmian Games as a backdrop for it. He says, look, I, I don't run to, to beat the air. I run to win. I, I run as one who wants to gain the prize. And so in order to do that, he puts his own body into submission he says, look, I'm not going to do anything and everything I can. You, you see, having a little bit of athletic ability myself, having been a multi-sport athlete, I, I can tell you there's things you give up when you're in training. If you're a runner, if, if you ask a football player out on the foot during, during the first couple of weeks of practice, those guys are sweating out. Some of them lose 20, 30 pounds in the first two weeks of practice. Why? They're denying themselves food. They're taking minimal amounts of, of the things that they like and a whole lot of things that are just playing good for them. It's tough. It's hard. You cannot be great without sacrifice. And the same is true in the kingdom of God. You cannot be great without sacrifice. If it's going to be all about you, you'll never be great in the kingdom. You won't. Now, I didn't just say that you'll be out of the kingdom, and I didn't say you won't be useful for the kingdom. You won't be great in the kingdom unless you're willing to deny yourself. That's why Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. If you want to be great, you've got to seriously ask yourself some tough questions. Is this going to make me great in God's kingdom, or is this going to lessen my ability to be great? I was a long-distance runner in high school. I came about this close to making it underneath five minutes in the mile, which was pretty good during that time. But I ran with a group of guys. Many of us were sub-five-minute milers. I mean, we would just go, we would like not eat anything for several days. It was all part of getting to the goal. When you're running 120, 150 miles a week, and you're eating three, four meals that are of any substance, 
after a while, you're kind of hungry. You run, we ran this one route where we were in around this dairy farm. I was like, man, I'm going to hack me off some of that and eat it right here. You, you see, you start to see those bodily appetites come up. But we have to be careful not to be mastered by these things. That's why I tell you, alcohol can master you. Drugs can master you. Pot smoking can master you. Drugs, even taken for pain, can master you. Smoking can master you. You ask somebody if it's tougher to quit smoking or quit drinking, pretty much 100% of the time they'll tell you smoking. Why? Because it grabs a hold. It becomes master, and pretty soon... I watched a guy... European doctors, for some reason, find it necessary to smoke I was in Brazil and I'm in the airport and there was a duty free shopping thing in there I watched a guy buy $1,000 worth of American cigarettes and I'm thinking to myself I could just shoot you it'll be quicker (laughs) no I'm serious I'm like it's like What kind of mastery that this guy's on vacation in Brazil and he's thinking about buying $1,000 worth of cigarettes to take back to Europe because they're more expensive there. That's called mastery. It had a grip on him. He was a neurosurgeon. Got the tie. I mean, he had these huge bags. And I'm not judging him. I'm telling you the issue is one of mastery. It had a grip on him. He did not have a grip on it. And that's the difference. Can you set it down? Who has control? And so Paul gives us several things here that we should not do. Look, if you want to win, here's some keys. Don't ever cause your brother to stumble. If you want to win in God's kingdom with regard to liberties, things that you can do, not inherently sinful, maybe you believe that that's something that God might possibly want you to do, consider these things before you decide to do them. Scripture says you should not ever do anything that causes your brother to stumble. So I'm not talking about you like one kind of clothes and they like some other kind of clothes. We're not talking about minor, picky, unish things. We're talking about things that can gain mastery over somebody else. We're talking about issues that have the potential to stumble someone else. So these are big ticket items, one might say. So things like alcohol, smoking, Overeating. Types of movies you watch. Those honor God? Or do they cause your brother to stumble? Your sister to stumble? Somebody else watches it with you and they are stumbled. You see, that's how we're supposed to think about these liberties. A second thing. Don't grieve your brother. 
Notice what verse 14 says. I know and I am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing's unclean of itself, but to him who thinks it's unclean, it's unclean. Hence my example of going to Israel, I'm not pulling out a slab of bacon because there's people who are going to see that, people who honestly believe that it's an unclean animal. To them, it's a grievous thing. It's not sin to me. I'm convinced it's one of the... God put it on... I don't know why... Everybody doesn't, but not everybody does. And so I'm grieving my brother. I was actually with the Mir, our tour guide, who leads us on our tours in Israel, and we were talking. He doesn't even say the word pig. He calls it the other thing. That's how much he, being a Jew, even though he is a Messianic Jew, a believer in Christ, he calls it the other thing. So I don't tease him about that. Because it grieves him. It's not sin to me. It's another topping for a cheeseburger. But it's sent to him, so to him. Because I love my brother. I would rather that he is not grieved, that his heart is not burdened and weighted down with something that simply does not matter to me in the long run. Doesn't affect me one way or another. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you're no longer walking in love. Do you see how it works? As far as non-sinful things are concerned, we're supposed to look at our brothers and sisters in the Lord, people to whom we are ministering, people who are looking at you, and nowhere does this principle apply, this whole message apply, nowhere does it apply greater than in your own homes, with your own children. This is parenting 101 right here. This is you looking at your kids and go, okay, I could... Yes, you could have a bottle of wine at dinner. So what do your kids think? Where are they going to go with that liberty? What message are you sending to them? And while I'm not trying to steal your liberty, I am telling you sometimes I think we stop short of thinking as far as we ought to think. You see, because we get to that place, well, it's a liberty. But we don't look at the rest of this passage and go, yeah, but I shouldn't stumble my brother. I shouldn't grieve my brother. A third thing, I shouldn't devastate. It actually says, do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. That word there is only used three times in the entire New Testament. And it literally means to annihilate them. Do not annihilate your brother. Do not annihilate your sister. Do not annihilate somebody else who's also named a child of God with your liberty. Where does that apply? Anything that has the possibility of destroying their life. Not yours. Theirs. You see how we can get into some faulty thinking upon occasion about these things? 
we just start thinking about it selfishly. And these are, this is the way it usually goes in my office. Well, the Bible doesn't say I can't. And I will almost always reply, yes, but it doesn't say you should. And then I take them to this passage. So when you're sitting around and you're doing that particular thing, does it hurt your brother? Does it grieve your brother? Does it destroy your brother? Does it, notice this, forfeit your witness? Oh, boy. I'll share a little story with you. It's a funny one. You'll get a good giggle at Pastor Jeff's expense. So 30 years ago, uh, we were in Austria, and just so you know, when you're in Austria or Germany, you can go into McDonald's and get a beer. Germans love beer. They serve beer in preschool, generally. Beer is the national drink of Germany and Austria, pretty much most of Europe. So I'm thinking, well, you know, I need to be culturally relevant. So I'm having my beer, and in walks Pastor Chuck. (laughs) Oh, uh, Jeff, we don't do that, you know. And I almost got the word liberty out of my mouth. And he says, you're stumbling your brother. You know which brother he was talking about? Him. I was stumbling my pastor. Because he had to concern himself with, did I know where that liberty stopped? You see what happens when you think about it from someone else's position instead of your own liberty? You see, I was forfeiting my witness. I was forfeiting my witness. It wasn't sin. Never even made it to my lips, actually. That quick. Almost cost me ministry. Does it forfeit your witness? Very clear that a lot of things can cause your witness to be forfeited. Do not let what is good thing a good thing be spoken of as evil. You see those Instagram posts that you make. Nobody knows whether that's the first glass of wine, the second glass of wine, or the tenth glass of wine. That case that's in your cart at Costco, nobody knows whether you're going to drink it all that moment or the following day. So rather than risk that, don't allow your witness to be stolen. Don't give the enemy the opportunity to take your witness. It's not worth it. 
Because the person who struggled with that will not ever receive from you if you're not concerned about whether it's going to hurt, whether it's going to destroy them. You see, it's called being mature. And I don't want to beat anybody down with this, but we do need to think. Don't pull down the work of God. Don't pull it down. You see, it's been built up. The picture is this. Notice what it says. Don't tear down the work of God for the sake of food. That person has climbed up, and you probably have these people in your life. People who were really struggling, they're finally making it out of that sin habit that they have. It's not sin to you. It's a liberty to you. But you grab a hold of their ankle and you pull them right back down where they once were. And now all of a sudden, something they were delivered from, they're back in again. I've watched this happen in finances. I was with a couple of men that started a business. And they got going and they dedicated the whole thing to the Lord and they were praying over it. And they brought another supposed Christian guy into this business. And all of a sudden, a few things were kind of not on the up and up, and a few things were compromised here, and a few things compromised there. And before you know it, the whole company was compromised. Because of one brother's liberty about things that, yeah, maybe that's legal, maybe it's not illegal. Uh, you know, we don't really know. It's kind of on the edge, and I don't have clear conviction. But it sucked them all right back into it. You see, those are things that God actually has given you an answer. And it's not the one that we often want to hear. We kind of want to hear, well, I can do anything, you know, because I'm a believer and it's sanctified by God and it's not sin. And, and while that, in an individual case-by-case basis between you and the Lord, is absolutely true, when it involves your brother your sister, your family, when it involves other people in the body of Christ, when it tarnishes your witness or it pulls down the work of God, it is no longer just you. It's harming the work God is doing in this world. And that is sin. And then finally, he says, look, Think about it this way. If these first five things are not enough, don't cause your brother to stumble. Don't grieve your brother. Don't devastate him. Don't forfeit your witness. Don't pull down the work of God. Then you could at least take the thing and, and don't denounce it. In other words, I can't sit here and tell you that there's a verse in the Bible that says you can't have a glass of wine. I can't do it, and I won't. I can't tell you that. But I can give you a hundred reasons to not drink, and I can't give you a single reason to drink. Do you understand? You see, so there is liberty. And in your private life, if you choose to take that liberty, that is between you and God. But please don't flaunt it. Please don't flaunt it. 
Because here's what happens. That flaunting is what attracts those people who are weak in that area. When we get braggadocious about our liberty, when we say, well, you know, we're the first, yeah, we, you know, Thursday nights we have beer before service. Which, by the way, there are churches that do that. You, you see, in flaunting that, now you're actually attracting people who are already weak. And, and so what happens? I, I can't denounce, I can't tell you that something sin that Scripture says clearly nothing about. But at the same time, I don't want to set somebody free to go do something that's going to hurt them. So I take the middle ground. See, look, I, I can't point you to the verse, but I'm telling you, I can't give you a good reason to do that. I can't give you a biblical reason that your witness is going to be better because you engaged in that behavior. I can't give you a reason that you're going to win souls for Christ and you're going to build the body up that is already struggling in this world that's a mess. You see, when I start to look at it from my brother and sister's position, it becomes very clear. And exactly what Pastor Chuck ministered to me is how I will minister to you. You know, Jeff, the best Use of your liberties is to not use them. And most of the time that is true. The best use is to simply not use them because then you don't have to worry. You see, if I have a liberty and I don't use it, I'm never going to stumble my brother. I'm not going to grieve my brother. I'm not going to devastate my brother. I'm not going to forfeit my witness. I will not pull down the work of God, and I won't have to denounce it, nor will I be flaunting it. I will simply choose not to use it. And so in my vertical plane between me and God, I made him smile. In my horizontal plane between me and other believers and people on this earth, I've harmed no one. That's how we look at liberties. Not can we, but should we. Not I'm free to, but I'm free not to for the glory of God. And what you do in your private life may actually be different in your public life in that regard. That's not flaunting your liberty and not denouncing it either. But when it comes to your public witness, please keep these things in mind. Please remember what your Bible says. We're to do nothing that harms another person. We're to consider them before we consider ourselves. And if we do that, I truly believe we'll make very few mistakes with things that are a liberty. And it'll save me a whole bunch of counseling. And I mean that actually in kindness towards you. Because you can answer your own questions. You can figure these things out for yourself. 
I won't be getting emails about whether, you know, recreational marijuana is going to be, you know, we got a few more days. I won't be getting those. You know, can we sell reefer in the bookstore? And I, no. It's not happening. It's a simple thing. Just because it's legal and just because Scripture doesn't condone, condemn or condone it. I could give you a hundred reasons why it'll do those things. I could name names. I could have people come and tell you, yeah, it destroyed my life. That put me in a place that I wouldn't have otherwise gone. So it harms other people. Even if it doesn't particularly harm you. We're searching for the biblical balance, family. Our liberty should never, ever do these things. Grieve, devastate, forfeit our witness, tear down God's work. Don't denounce it, don't flaunt it. If we do these things, we we won't be building the body. We won't be building the body of Christ. We'll just be building our own pleasure. The Greek world that was called hedonism. It's a word that we still use in a derogatory way. Pleasure of self. Pray that the Lord helps us to deny anything and everything that would harm someone else in any way, shape, or form. Amen? Just stand with me and we'll pray together. Father, thank you for tonight, and and I would just pray that for each of us, we just take a good hard look at the things that we do, the things we approve of, the things that may not be inherently sinful, the things that one could say are a liberty, and ask ourselves that simple question, uh, is this good for others? Not is it good for us. Because what is good for others is what you, Jesus, came to do. You didn't come and die for yourself. You died for me. You were others-centric. May we be the same in our liberties. Thank you for the time tonight. Pray that you would bless us, strengthen us, and encourage us, and build us up. Lord, help us to never stumble or grieve or destroy or devastate. Lord, help us to always look towards your work and building it up. We love you, Lord. Make us more like you, Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen.